Welcome to Wrestling with Theology. My name is Doug Minton. I am your host. I am the pastor at Redeemer Evangelical Lutheran Church in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, as well as a lifelong wrestling fan. Wrestling with Theology wrestles with the history of pro wrestling as well as the theology of the Lutheran Church. This week's wrestling profile is Jim Crockett Promotions. Jim Crockett Sr. founded a wrestling promotion in Charlotte, North Carolina in 1931. He was a successful event promoter throughout the Carolinas and Virginia. In 1952, Jim Crockett Promotions joined the NWA. Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling became the primary brand name. When Jim Sr. died in 73, the wrestling promotion was passed on to his eldest son, Jim Jr. With Jim Jr. and George Scott in charge of Mid-Atlantic, the promotion changed from focusing on tag team wrestling like Memphis into singles wrestling. They also consolidated the previous schedule of multiple TV recordings in four or five cities down to one weekly recording in Raleigh. In 81, they moved the weekly taping to Charlotte. The weekly broadcast was hosted by Bob Cottle, a weatherman from WRAL in Raleigh, and a slew of co-hosts until David Crockett was finally placed as the permanent color commentary guy. In 75, Jim Crockett Promotions began broadcasting a second show, Worldwide Wrestling, that was broadcast until 2001. In the late 70s, Crockett expanded into eastern Tennessee, West Virginia, and even Savannah, Georgia. The TV programming went out to other cities such as Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio, and Buffalo, New York. That way, Crockett and George Scott got a minority share in Jack Tunney's Maple Leaf Wrestling in Toronto. In the 80s, Crockett began consolidating the Southern Territories and promoted his events as NWA Wrestling. This was primarily in response to Vince McMahon's rapid expansion in the northern part of the country. Crockett quickly absorbed several other NWA territories through buyout or working agreements. Georgia Championship Wrestling, Championship Wrestling from Florida, the St. Louis Wrestling Club, Central States Wrestling, and the Universal Wrestling Federation. The biggest problem with Crockett's rapid expansion was that he didn't have the deep pockets that Vince did. Vince had expanded through taking over control of territories without having to expend a lot of money. Crockett bought territories that he could have just taken over and paid too much for others. By November of 88, things had gotten so bad with Jim Crockett promotions that Crockett was forced to sell the promotion to Ted Turner. With that sale, World Championship Wrestling as a national wrestling federation was born. And we will talk about them another day. Jim Crockett Promotion had several titles on the national level. You had the National Heavyweight title, which Tommy Rich held four times. You had the National Tag Team titles, which the Freebirds and the Road Warriors both held three times. You had the NWA World Heavyweight title that Ric Flair held six times under Crockett's control. The World Junior Heavyweight title, which Danny Hodge held seven times. The World Six-Man Tag Team Titles, which the Russians and Dusty Rhodes and the Road Warriors each held twice. Uh, the World TV Title, which Paul Jones held five times. World Women's Title, that fabulous Moolah held five times for a total of over 11,000 days. As a regional territory, its Mid-Atlantic titles were also widely respected. The Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight Title, Wahoo McDaniel held seven times. The Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Gene and Ole, the original ones, uh, held the Mid-Atlantic Tag Team title six times. The U.S. Heavyweight title, which would then go on to be WCW's U.S. Heavyweight title, 
was held by Wahoo McDaniel and Ric Flair each five times. The Midnight Express held the U.S. Tag Team titles three times. Barry Windham and Larry Zbysko held the Western States Heritage title. Uh, very short-lived in that one. And then the Minnesota Wrecking Crew held the World Tag Team titles, just Mid-Atlantic version, seven times. For most people in the South who grew up outside of Memphis, Jim Crockett was who they knew. Especially if you grew up in the 80s with Superstation TBS. That's who you knew because by that time, they had already taken over uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling's 6.05 start time for uh, their wrestling program. Crockett could have done great things with it. He definitely could have made a run against Vince, but he had bad business choices on his end, just like Jerry Jarrett did with Memphis Wrestling and Fritz von Erich with World Class. Vince had a better business model. I have to admit that. As much as I dislike the way he has taken the business, he has an absolutely wonderfully successful business model. And that's what's made him the top dog that he is today. But part of that would not have been possible had it not been for the competition from Jim Crockett in the South. I'll be back in a moment with our confessional corner on the third article of the Creed. Let's look at the third article of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Who is the Holy Spirit? Zechariah 12.10 And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, and weep bitterly over him, as one weeps over our firstborn. John fifteen twenty six. But when the Helper comes, who I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. 
The Holy Spirit is the helper that Jesus has sent from the Father. He is the Spirit of truth who bears witness about Jesus. He is the one who delivers the faith to you so that you may believe. This is the simplest description of the Holy Spirit. Our modern enthusiasts, Pentecostals, some non-denominational congregations, seek to manifest the great gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, healing, even direct revelation. They want the flashy gifts, but the Holy Spirit doesn't focus on these gifts. When the Bible speaks about the Spirit's work, it speaks about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are not outward flashy signs. They are the renewal of the mind which the Spirit works in you. These are the things that Christians should strive for. What does it mean to be holy? Psalm 45, 14. In many colored robes she is led to the king with her virgin companions following behind her. Ephesians 5, 26. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. As we talk about holy, we focus on Jesus' declaration of righteousness for those who believe. In this way, we talk about the saints in the Bible as well as the saints sitting in the pews today, those who have been set apart for God's purposes. These verses focus on the church being made holy, sanctified by God to be his bride. The church is the bride of Christ. Heaven is often seen as the marriage feast of the Lamb. This marriage feast has the church presented to Christ as the spotless bride cleansed by Jesus' word. In our current postmodern, post-Christian world, we have the reputation of being holy in the eyes of society. With all the scandals that have been brought to light in recent years, people tend to focus on the center side of the Simoeustus Epicotter. People look at these news stories and believe the church is filled with hypocrites. And they are absolutely right. We are saints, but we are also sinners. But Jesus calls us to the holy calling of proclaiming his salvation, his pronouncement of sinners being made holy. Why do we confess the Holy Christian Church and not the Holy Lutheran Church? Psalm 22, 26. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Matthew 16, 18. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. First of all, the term Lutheran didn't exist until the 16th century. It was originally a derogatory term given to the German evangelicals by the papist. However, Christian was also given as a derogatory term. The church was first called Christian in Antioch of Syria. Before then, they were simply known as the disciples of the way. When we speak of the Christian church, we speak of everyone who confesses Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. This includes Lutherans, Roman Catholics, Baptists, and everyone else who truly believes in Jesus. We speak of it as the invisible church because Christians have faith in their heart. You cannot see faith. You can see the fruit of faith, but you cannot see faith itself. We confess the same thing in the Nicene Creed, the one holy Christian and apostolic church. The church is the Christian church because it belongs to Christ. She is the collection of people who seek him. She is indestructible because the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The Christian church we confess will stand regardless of what happens to physical buildings. The Christian church is the house of living stones. What is the communion of saints? Exodus 19.5 Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. Ephesians 4.3 Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. The phrase communion of saints has two equal yet differently pointed translations. On one hand, the communion of saints is the collection of people who call upon Jesus for salvation. 
They are the new Israel, God's treasured possession among all people. This communion or community is held together in the Holy Spirit through the bond of peace. On the other hand, it can also be translated the communion of holy things. This can be seen as the community of believers gathering around the word and sacraments. These distribute the bond of peace that brings the community together. The question becomes, where do you want to focus? Do you focus on the people in the church? Do you focus on the gifts God gives through his church? The Lutheran answer is yes. We come together with a twin focus on both the people and the gifts that make up the church. We thank and praise God for both because we are eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. What does the forgiveness of sins do for you? Psalm 32.1 Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Acts 10.43 To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The forgiveness of sins grants you access back into God's presence. As holiness itself, God cannot stand to have sin in his presence. It must be taken away or covered over for you to stand before him. Jesus freely offers the forgiveness of sins to everyone. Jesus freely gives the forgiveness of sins to those who believe in him. This is not a predetermined group of people. God didn't make a list of people who would be saved and a list of people who would be condemned before creating the world. He offers forgiveness, but not everyone takes. Many are called, but few are chosen, as Jesus puts it. Those who have the forgiveness of sins will be with Christ in heaven. They will be with him as having been called and chosen and faithful. Will my body be resurrected? Isaiah 66, 14. You shall see and your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like the grass, and the hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants, and he shall show his indignation against his enemies. John 5, 28. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. The great heresy of Gnosticism strove against the belief in the resurrection of the body. In the Gnostic scriptures, the body is deemed as a creation of the evil one, a mistake among all the creations of the various levels of creation. Quite honestly, it's extremely confusing to understand what they say as they are describing the previous statement. They also tried to take away Jesus' physical human body from him. They believe that Jesus either brought his body with him from heaven and isn't human at all, or that he only appeared to have a human body. Both of these things come to a head when we talk about the afterlife. What happens after death? What is heaven like? Do we just float around on clouds like the old cartoons? Will we just become one with nature? Or will we actually have human bodies? From the most ancient moments in scripture, God has promised and his people have believed in the resurrection of the body. A physical resurrection will happen before people are assigned to heaven or hell at the great white throne judgment. The verse from Isaiah focuses on the fact that we will have a body in the new heavens and new earth from the previous chapter. Isaiah's words echo the words of the patriarch Job. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. Around Job's time, God commands Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac, through whom the blessing of all families would come. He considered that God was able to even raise him from the dead. At the resurrection on the last day, we will all be raised in our bodies. We will be able to see God and touch him like Thomas. Heaven is a very real, very material place. We will have our bodies with us to enjoy what Jesus has prepared for us. How can we understand life everlasting? Psalm 16:11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
1 Peter 1, 3 and 4. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Jesus has promised you everlasting life, a life without end. This is something we on earth cannot fathom, a life without pain, a life without sorrow, a life without death, a life where everything is perfect, a life where everybody gets along, a life where everyone has fullness of joy. Man was created for life everlasting. When God created Adam and Eve, there was no death. There was no need for death. They were designed to live forever, but they fell into sin. It was regained through the offspring promised to Eve. Jesus now gives life everlasting to all who believe in him. And that life is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. All things that we can only imagine. But we have the promise that they are ours in Christ. Why do we end the creed like a prayer? Psalm 72, 19. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our Amen to God for His glory. Amen means much more than the prayer is over. Amen, Amen means yes, yes, it shall be so. The end of Luther's explanations to the articles of the Creed end with the wonderful words, This is most certainly true. Basically, Luther ends the explanations with an Amen. Jesus uses Amen very often when he is teaching the crowds and his disciples. Whenever he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, or verily, verily, I say unto you, he is literally saying, Amen, Amen, I say to you. Seventy-five times Jesus uses this phrase in his teachings in the Gospels. He wanted everyone who hears him to know that these things are absolutely certain. We in the Creed with Amen to declare that all these things that we have confessed are absolutely certain that these things are necessary to believe, teach, and confess in order to be saved. These things spell out the reality of life in Christ. Thank you for your time and listening to this podcast. If you'd like to hear more, go back to our archives to hear the previous episodes of Wrestling with Theology, also hear Sunday morning sermons from Redeemer. If you're in the Twin Cities area on Sunday morning, you are welcome to join us at Redeemer Evangelical Lutheran Church at 4201 Regent Avenue North in Robbinsdale, just off of the corner of 42nd Avenue and Highway 100. Just look for Jesus blessing the travelers along the road. Our services are at 9 a.m. We have Bible study at 1030 following the service with coffee hour in between. We encourage you anytime you are in the area to join us for worship and to wrestle with theology with us.